great to be here today. Thank you all so much for having me and um, just for being so welcoming. Thanks for the food. It was so good for those that prepared it. Um, Thank you all for those of you like the Wrights who have prayed for my brother and I ever since we were young. Um, That Thank you so much for your prayers. That just really has meant a lot. I'm Caitlin. Um, I am married, and we have two kids. My husband and I have been married for about eight years. We have a three-year-old son and a five-month-old little girl. Um, I just published a book, like they said, about a month ago about my story, and I am also working my way through um, a counseling program to become a counselor. I want to share with you today um, a little bit about my story, about one of the hardest things I've ever had to face, and also share with you a huge lesson that I've learned through it. So I accepted Christ into my life when I was six years old, and my dad taught me what that meant, um, just in a basic way of what it means to have Christ live in your life and um, give your life to him. Whenever I was one of six kids, and whenever any of us accepted Christ, uh, my parents immediately bought us a Bible and taught us how to start reading the Bible and how to have a quiet time. Um, they, the first verse we learned was Matthew 6, 6, which says, When you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to the Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so now, looking back, uh, teaching all six kids to go into their room for about 30 minutes every morning, close the door and pray and read our Bible in the quiet. We would actually go into our closet. Um, close the door and pray. I think they just wanted to have one moment of silence in their day. (laughs) Um, But I'm so thankful for that lesson that they taught me at such an early age because it really gave me the, um, just a reverence for the word and um, just a, just a respect of scripture and um, how, how scripture should be read and just a reverence around um, reading the Bible and spending time with the Lord. Just to give you a little bit of a picture of our family life um, and what what my family was like, we lived in Asheville um, for three years. I was six through eight. Um, my dad worked for the Christian Billy Graham Training Center, the Cove in Asheville. He was always working in the um, Christian camp. He, before that, he was at Young Life um, in Colorado, Young Life camps. And then my mom homeschooled all six of us. We, if you can kind of picture like Little House on the Prairie life in the 90s in Asheville, North Carolina. So we were uh, lots of land. We had a small garden, chickens, cats, dogs, a rabbit. We were all homeschooled. Um, We wore like overalls and blue jean jumpers every day. Um, (laughs) Not quite bonnets, but close. And uh, just spent a lot of time together, um, had our meals together at home almost every day. Um, that's, that's who we were as a family. Um, so just a really great childhood that I'm so thankful for um, today. People would always tell me my parents were so different and so unique from the world. 
And I could tell that too, even at a young age. But um, one time later, I asked my brother what made them so unique. And he just said, our parents really thought about what they believed. And as I thought on that more, I've come to realize that that is true. They, they knew what they believed. They thought hard about what they believed and why they believed that. And then they allowed their beliefs to just influence everything else about their life, how they worked, um, the decisions that they made, even how much TV we would consume, um, how much outdoor time we would have, uh, how we, how much time we spent together as a family, um, what we did together as a family, just their, their um, strong Christian beliefs really influenced just all of their decisions. And um, they often had opened up their home for guests to come um, eat with us, have dinner with us many times. And um, they often even had people come and live with us, stay with us um, a few different times, foreign exchange students, things like that. So um, one of those times was the summer of 2000. My family had um, a girl from Belarus staying with us. She was in a foreign exchange program, a relief program of about 600 girls across the U.S. They were staying with different host families. So we had a girl staying with us, and um, she had never been to the beach before. So my family and I were going to take her and her friend, who was staying with another family at the time, to the beach to see the ocean for the first time while they were here. So we um, packed up the car, and 10 of us, um, all six kids, my parents and the two girls from Belarus, were staying with us. Um, So we were on our way to the beach, um, and we were hit. uh, A cargo van traveling the opposite direction from us um, blew a tire and lost control of steering and so he crashed over the grassy median over the highways and hit our car head on right outside of Columbia. That accident took the lives of my parents and four of my siblings. So myself, my brother, and one of the girls who was staying with us um, were the only survivors. I was put into a medical-induced coma. Um, I was asleep during the accident, but then I was put into a medical-induced coma. After that, um, I woke up in the hospital about five days later and was told what happened in the hospital. So my brother and I went to live with our aunt and uncle in Greenville from that point on, and their two daughters, and they raised us. At that time, everything in my life was completely shattered my life as I knew it, my picture-perfect childhood. Um, Everything was different. I moved to a new state, had to adjust to a new family life, new family dynamics, had um, new parents, new siblings. I started school for the first time because I was homeschooled before. I started a new church and had to make new friends and really just had to figure out what my identity was all over again. Everything that I knew before was different from that point on. And in my book um, that I wrote, I really don't shy away from describing that grief um, that I experienced as a child. Um, To live without my family members was completely devastating. And even now, it still comes in waves. Um, 
to live. I'm reminded some days more than others just um, how obvious it is that I don't have my family with me anymore and to live the rest of my life without them and to still feel that void um, even today is um, just extremely, extremely hard. And I'm sure any of you who have um, gone through loss of any sort can understand what I mean by that. To live with the pain of grief is a weakness for me, but it's also a strength, and I will explain what I mean by that. Maybe you've also experienced a loss, um, or maybe not, but maybe you've been through something else hard in its own way. Maybe a divorce, maybe um, an illness or a disease or uh, struggles in work, maybe feelings of inadequacies that you have. Uh, Maybe you've been through a big change or have felt like any sense of loneliness or abandonment or just that um, nobody understands what you've been through. What do we do with those weaknesses that we carry? For so long when I was little, I really stuffed down the pain and the hurt that I was feeling. Um, The grief and the loneliness, I didn't want to open it up or talk about it or let it be known by anybody because sharing it um, would mean that I would have to be real and vulnerable and exposed. Um, The others would know how I felt. And that really doesn't feel good when you have to share your hurt in that way and let others into your mess. But God has shown me a valuable lesson from his word in 2 Corinthians 12. In this chapter, Paul is laying out his, his credibility of why he is called to do the work that he's doing. And early in the chapter, he mentions um, that he could boast about some visions and revelations that he had from the Lord. But he doesn't choose to boast in those things. He points out his trials. And he says, whatever this thorn was, um, it could have hindered his work in Christ. But he describes that through his trial is how God showed the strongest and how God's grace was revealed to him. So I'll read 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. It says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Although Paul's trial was not removed from him, something better was given to him, and that's the gift of God's grace through whatever weakness that was. God wants us to come to him with our trials and sorrows and to get angry at him and even to beg him to take it away and to plead with him to remove those things. But if he chooses not to, if those things don't go away, it's because he wants to give us something better. Paul writes that God told him, my power is made perfect in weakness. And this could be illnesses, afflictions, distresses of any sort. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly or I will rejoice in my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
And that word rest can also mean abide in me or take up residence in me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What troubles, trials, difficulties, hardships, um, sufferings are you holding on to that you haven't given over to God in order to receive his grace? Maybe it's a physical illness, a pain. Maybe it's deep grief, depression, a fear, a worry, anxieties that you just can't give over to him, that you're holding on to, a sin struggle um, that you're not being real or vulnerable with or sharing. God is calling us to live out of that pain in our lives rather than our perfection. I have known this to be true in my life because that Christ's power has shown all the more through my weaknesses. Because in that time when I was little, God met me in such a miraculous but mundane way. Um, As I had already received uh, the Lord into my life at age six, then when I was eight and the accident happened, because I was already in the habit of going into my closet every day and reading and opening up my Bible and spending time with him, even though everything else was different and everything else had changed, um, my my entire surroundings, um, except for my brother, everything was different. But God wasn't. I still had his word, and he was still there for me to talk to and to pray to. And so even though everything was different, because I had already been in the habit, I... God miraculously gave me the strength, nothing I did, but to continue that habit of still going to him in my morning routine and praying to him and reading his word every day. So he carried me and he held me close to him during those times, during my most, the most painful time in my life and the weakest that I ever was as a little girl. And even now, when I still have really hard moments of living with the grief and the void, I've learned, he showed me that it's in those weaknesses that he can enter in. And they're really just, they've become avenues for me to go to him and for to lean on him um, even more. So they're just avenues to grow closer to God. When we see ourselves as weak, we have to find, we look to find strength somewhere else. Um, it's just our human nature. We, we want to feel strong. And so when we feel that weakness or that pain, that hurting, we, we want to reach out and find strength somewhere. And so God wants to be that person. Um, there's so many other things that we can look to, but he, he's taught me that he's that person and there's really no other place to turn that will give us that healing God's power is most shown in us when we are most vulnerable with him and like I said because we are weak um, if you think about a foundation that's weak 
because it has cracks all in it and it can't hold up. Um, those cracks, those areas in our lives and in our hearts are openings for him to enter in and fill those gaps and fill those voids. Um, there's spaces that we're imperfect and we're in need of his power. And in that, when he comes in, his power gets to be magnified and glorified and shown all the more brightly if we allow him to. Because when we go to him in those places, we're saying, I can't do it on my own and I need you. And he delights for us to come to him and ask for help. When we let go of control, when we stop trying to cover up our brokenness, when we remove the band-aid, when we stop trying to appear perfect, that's when our weaknesses are exposed. And that's a really vulnerable and scary place to be. But it's in that that God gets to be our strength. To keep our hurt and pain concealed is to keep the work of Christ being done. God is calling us to live out of our pain rather than our perfection. So how do we move forward in this posture to move forward in life when we have these hurts and brokenness in order for us to use those things? The first time I ever heard the term um, be known was by a pastor in my life. And um, I had still, I just had graduated from college. I had still been um, afraid to share my story and to talk about it with people. Um, I hadn't really let a whole lot of people know about the things I was feeling. Um, and he just asked me, he said, you just need to be, or he just told me, you just need to be known. You need to let others know you. And I was like, what does that mean? And I hadn't really experienced that before. And so um, it was really hard, but I started gradually, slowly letting, sharing my story and being, allowing myself to be a part of community that could hear and that could love me and could, um, you know, give me feedback and insight and just surround me with, um, with believers who were there for me and who, um, so it was a safe place to share. And so I did like a, um, video I remember early on for our church where I shared my story and that was like a huge step for me to be able to actually talk about it for the first time for a lot of people to hear. And so, but just those little steps of, um, allowing myself to be known by others in the context of Christian community um, was really hard, but it was so it was so good for me and so important. I want you to think of one area in your life where you're holding on to a weakness or a hurt of some sort, uh, maybe a hardship from your past, maybe a pain of some sort, whether physical pain, spiritual pain, emotional pain, you're holding on so tight that you're not allowing it to be used by God for his glory. I encourage you to offer that pain with others in community so that you too can be known by others, every part of you, even no matter how ugly it is. And also definitely let God see it as well. Offer it to God so that he can enter into that hurt and fill it with himself. So that is why I said earlier that my weaknesses are also my strengths. Because in allowing him to come in and fill those places, 
he's given me um, just a lighter burden to carry, right? His word says, like, my burden is light, and I've experienced that um, in giving my hardships to him and offering my whole life to him and moving forward um, with what he's done and with what I've been through. It's just given me a, a freedom, less worry, um, so that I can walk forward in a more full and uh, just just freeing life. Um, He's given me that ability just as ha- as I've been allowing him to just use it all. And I'm still in that journey, right? It's not done and tied up with a bow. It's a lifelong journey of no matter what, because I will go through more hard stuff um, in the future. We all will. But no matter what comes my way, um, I've learned just by looking at his faithfulness, how he's always been there and how he's always met me through everything, that he will still continue to be there in the future. And um, he's just taught me and helped me to give it over to him, everything that comes my way. And for me, this looked like um, just kind of a tangible way that this has, that I've learned or that that I've started doing is um, for so long, I asked the question, why? For so long, um, all through childhood, middle school, high school, and even college. I was stuck on that question of why, why me? Why did this happen to them when their work didn't seem to be done? They were influencing so many people still. Um, They were really good people and um, knew a lot of people and um, were living just a a life for God. They were on fire for God. And, you know, so I, I was asking that question, why them? Why me? Why am I still here? Why are all these things different and changing? And I was just stuck on that why question for so long. And, um, but asking that question kept me stuck in myself and my own circumstances. And I wasn't getting anywhere asking that. I was angry and bitter and resentful when I, when I was just focused so much on that question. So God showed me and taught me to look outward instead of inward. And he gave me the question, what now, instead? So by asking, by um, looking out It was just kind of a change of posture for me that I began to ask him, what now, God? This happened to me. Um, It's in your hands. So what now? How do you want me to move forward in life? How will you use this? What do you have for me? What purpose do you have for me in life? And by just this changing posture, he entered into those deepest hurts and pains that I was still carrying And he began to start using all of my weaknesses for his glory. I have so many books in my home. Um, I have this huge bookshelf that goes over our window seat. And it's just filled with books. And many of those books I haven't even read yet. They just sit on the shelf collecting dust, just waiting for me to take them off the shelf, dust them off, open them up, and begin reading. Just like those books, those are the hurts that we carry with us. Um, And whatever past hardships, past pain that we've been through, if we let them sit inside, they just will eat at us and just begin to rot, and um, they'll cause us to grow bitter. But God wants us to take them out, dust them off, open them up and allow him to examine those areas in our life so that he can enter in and begin to do that healing work 
that only he can give. So I'll close with just uh, this blessing. God calls us to live out of our pain rather than our perfection. And in doing so, we can receive his great gift of grace in our lives and walk more fully and more freely in our purpose. I have walked this path and know it to be true in my life. And I hope that I hope and pray that you are able to experience this type of healing as well. Thank you. Now, uh, do we have time for? Okay. So, uh, Mark has asked me to kind of open it up. If anybody has any questions for me, I'd love to hear your questions or thoughts or answer any anything that y'all have. Yeah. So I did read your book, and I I was curious to know. I know your aunt was doing the best she could by you, but each of you was, you know, suffering that grief in a different way. Her as a sister-in-law and you as a daughter. Mm-hmm. Do you have uh, the kind of relationship with her where openness? Has healed any of those difficulties between the two. So, do I have a relationship with her where that openness yeah. has healed them? Well, I I mentioned a little bit in the book. I think that um, at that time, everyone was going through grief in their own way. Um, my uncle had just lost his sister and his nieces and nephews, my aunt, you know, my grandparents. We've all lost these these people that we had um, special relationships with. And so um, I know it was really hard for them at that time. And they, they've told me now since then that a lot of times they would just go into their closet to cry because they needed to grieve, but they didn't want to for me to see them cry because they thought that it would upset me. Um, and so that's kind of how they were processing it, just in private. And um, that's the example that I saw. But we have been, um, I talk about in my book that it's like really good for kids from a counseling perspective, that it's really good for kids to see other, like if y'all know other kids going through hard hurts or hard times, um, I'm just an advocate for them to see the adults in their life crying and grieving, to see the hurt because that allows them to know that it's okay and to feel comfortable doing that as well. And so, um, but now, yes, we have had moments where we've we've grieved together and we've shared a lot more together. I just appreciate that you are such an advocate for transparency because even in a group of believers with whom we have relationships and we feel relatively safe, we, you know, our tendency is to want to be okay. Everything's okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not okay for a lot of people, and I think it's, it's such a powerful thing to allow other people into your grief like you mm-hmm. have just said, and I so appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, yeah, and I, um, that was just part of my journey. I, as a kid, I, um, if you feel loved and protected and supported, you're, you know, you, kids don't really show, they're, they have all their needs met, and so I really, um, <coughs> 
always had a smile on my face. I always said I'm fine if somebody asked, but, um, you know, I was going through the grief inside and it wasn't something that anybody could just take away. It was just something that it was my own journey and um, really ultimately something that God was able to meet me in. And he, it ended up just being that he was the only one that I could go to um, to give me that peace and comfort and healing that I needed. Um, But I can't remember where I was going with that. But yeah, kids, I think it's very they do experience loss and grief very differently and it's easy for them to appear like they're okay and fine but you know it takes a lot more I know you're a counselor you work with kids so if you can attest to that it takes a lot more like um, just going about it a different way with kids to get them to share rather than adults Yes, yes, I didn't mention that part. He was, he's eight years older than me. So he was 16 and I was eight. And I was the second to youngest of the six kids. He is, yes. He's always had a, um, just an amazing faith and just been such a great example for me to look to. Yeah. Thank y'all for being here and for um, for having me, inviting me, and for listening to my story. So, if anyone wants to buy a book, what do they do? Yes. I have the table back there. Yeah. So my books are back there. Um, if anyone wants to buy a book, I have a. I'll be back there, and um, you can get one. So they can talk to you afterwards too, right? Yes. Yes. I'm not leaving. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Thank you. Really appreciate it.